The title of what I want to say today is Three Decisions That Will Determine Our Direction. Three Decisions That Will Determine Our our Direction. And this message was birthed in me out of a place of desperation, and I'll come to that in just a little second. Not that everything is bad, and on the positive side, we may not be where we want to be, but we're not where we once were. Praise God. Am I the only person who's excited about that? I'm looking around, I'm praying that there are people who are excited that we're in a new place, we're not where we want to be, but we're not where we once were. And 23 weeks ago, it was 23 weeks ago today, not necessarily to the day, but 23 weeks ago, I was delving into a devotional. It was the, uh, the beginning of October 2019, and you can read it on new version. And the title of this devotional was Toiled All Night. And something about that title resonated deep within my soul. And it, for me, it was more than a devotional. It was the very words of God at such a critical time. You know, we can read things, we can read books, and they can, we can glean things from them. But sometimes, sometimes we pick up a book or a devotional at a particular point in life, and God uses that to speak deep into our souls. That's what happened to me. And I really feel that for each of us, God will give us what we need if we just position ourselves to receive it. I had to position myself to receive what God wanted to say to me through this devotional. How did I do that? Lord, I'm coming to you because I need to hear your voice at this time. I need to hear your voice on a number of different things that I'm writing down and praying for. How do I position myself to hear what God is saying? I position myself in my devotions. I position myself by being in church. I position myself by worshiping God, by hearing the Word, and by being in fellowship with brothers and sisters. That's how I position myself to hear what God wants to say to me. And I think what Jesus says to us is very, very clear on this whole subject. What does He say? He says, ask but keep on asking. If you understand the language, which isn't our native language, it's Greek. If you understand the native language that this was written in, it says, ask, but keep on asking. Seek, but keep on seeking. Knock, but keep on knocking. I kind of think of Sheldon, if you've ever watched that program. Mary, 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 I just think that's so funny. Anyway, that's these things, because it's only as we... We need to keep on persevering in these things, because it's only as we persevere that we begin to receive the things that God has for us. It's when we persevere that we begin to seek and find what God has for us. It's as we persevere and we keep knocking that God begins to open up the door for us, but we need to persevere in these things. Too often, we give up just before the breakthrough comes. And I've lost count of the amount of times that I have been encouraged by this verse in Galatians, chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now think of the pictures that I've seen on the television of people who are hungry in far-off countries. And there's a desperation in their eyes as they're reaching out for the aid that has been given to them. The truth is that they've positioned themselves to receive out of sheer desperation and dire need. 
The question is, are we hungry enough for the things of God? Are we hungry enough for the things of the kingdom of God? Do we seek them above every other thing? One of the key verses that brought me into ministry back when I started with Crusaders was Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I don't know what your things are, all your things. I don't know what they are, but I know one thing. When we seek Him first, God meets our needs. And I challenge us, I challenge us to put Him first in all of our ways and everything. The title of the devotional was Toiled All Night, and it really spoke to me. I'm going to read the passages from the Scriptures that we went through in that devotional. If you look up the book of Luke, chapter 5, and if you look that up in your Bibles, we'll read what it actually says in just a little second. Luke, chapter 5, reading from verse 1. I'm going to read, uh, actually, from the New King James Version, uh, so you'll need to bear with me. Uh, but I like the way that it was phrased in the New King James Version. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, that's Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and that net was breaking so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at the catch of fish which had been taken. And so were also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be a man, they forsook all and false men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And I'm just going to read one other verse from Matthew chapter 4 and verse 21, where it says, going on from there, he saw two other boats, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. What incredible, uh, an incredible passage of Scripture, the beginning of the call of the disciples. And I believe as I read this devotional that God showed me three things, three things that we need to consider, three things, three decisions that will determine our direction. And the first thing that I want to draw your attention to in this passage of Scripture is the fact that they were washing the nets. It says here that they saw two boats, he, Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. 
Catching fish is a messy business. For those of you who've ever tried fishing, I took some of you fishing last year, and some people caught fish, quite a number of people caught fish, but catching fish is a messy business. And in order to land the fish, we've got a landing net, and when we bring that fish in, we bring it safely to land, but that net needs cleaned just after we've caught fish because the net, if you don't clean it, will begin to stink, right? I have taken my net home without cleaning it, and it sits in the garage, and I come out and I go, (laughs) what's that smell? The gear needs cleaned, otherwise it begins to stink. And it's the same with us if we don't deal with our own lives by applying the Word of God which washes us clean. Listen to what Hebrews says. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before As far as deal with anything that stinks, that's a shocker, isn't it? Deal with anything that stinks. Decision one, this is the first of three decisions. Are we prepared to deal with the things in our lives and in our church that stink, the things that don't give glory to God? And this, in many ways, I feel is a corporate responsibility. I can't deal with the things in your life, and you can't deal with the things in my life. But we can, through the Spirit, begin to speak into each other's lives and begin to help each other to deal with the stuff in our lives that doesn't glorify God. Have you ever been in the position where you think, man, my attitude stinks at the moment? Have you ever been in that position? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. (laughs) My attitude stinks just now. You know when you've come into a room sometimes, and maybe a couple have been arguing, and you come into the room and you go, something's been going on in here, eh? Have you ever had that? I remember walking into a room once, and I was like, oof, there's some things going on in here that aren't healthy. Um, And you can just sense that something's not right. And it's the same with us. There are things in our lives that if we don't deal with them, begin to create a smell. And here's the problem. Sometimes we're unaware of the smell. It's other people that are aware of the smell. I used to work beside a guy, I'll not name him, but I used to work beside a guy who smoked and he drank coffee in the morning. And when you spoke to him, it wasn't pleasant. It's like, hang on till I give you a wee breath, mint, because there's something not just quite right here. But he was unaware of his own smell. And I think we can be like that as well. And I think that's why we need to exist in fellowship. We need to exist in fellowship. We need to be in church to hear the Word of God because sometimes we're not aware of our own smell. There needs to be a good flow of communication in the church. Healthy relationships amongst leaders and amongst all of us in the congregation. Healthy conversations. Nothing that stinks. Listen to what Psalm 139 says, this is what the psalmist says at the end of the psalm where he's saying, God knows everything about me. He then says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious 
thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. Search me. And what he's saying is that God has a penetrating gaze that sees everything. Know me. Know my heart. Know because God sees it. God sees our heart. Test, examine, prove. Test and know my anxious thoughts. That disquiet that rises within our souls, the anxiety, the worry that rises within our hearts. And see if there's anything in me that needs sorted out. And then lead me, govern me, and guide me in the way that's everlasting. Do you know it's in the dark places where God shines a light and we suddenly become aware of the vastness of His grace, His mercy, and His forgiveness? Have you ever been in that place where you go, hey, Mali stinks just now. I'm not living my life the way that I should be. I'm not living as a Christian. There are things in my life which a Christian shouldn't be doing. There are things in my thoughts which a Christian shouldn't be thinking. I know what that feels like. But we ask God to come and search us, to examine us, and to really open up what's inside of us. And He begins to shine His light into us. And we begin to see things for the way they are. And I'm really encouraged because the Bible tells us that if we confess our sin... We, that, that's agreeing with God that actually this is sin. If we confess our sin, then He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, to make us clean, to wash the net of our heart from all unrighteousness. The first thing God said to me as I was doing this devotional was you need to deal with things that stink. The second thing that God said to me as I was going through this devotional was that we need to prepare, we need to mend the nets. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, we read that out. Going on from there, he saw uh, two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending the nets. Washing the nets and mending the nets. And this was the second decision. Are we prepared to mend the nets? What do we mean by that? And I believe that what God was showing me was that we need to look at the how of church. How do we do church? The way that we do things as a church. What is part of our culture as a church? Because at this point in time, there are some gaps in the net and the fish are getting through the net. So we need to repair the nets, the how we do church. I actually got a friend of mine, Daniel Sutherland, to get me a net. This has come all the way down from Peterhead. It's more than just a visual aid because we're going to use this for something else, okay? Now, this net actually has holes in it. Net's supposed to have holes in it to let the water out and to catch the fish. But if this net gets damaged and there's big gaps in it, then it becomes ineffective. And I don't know if you've seen this. There's a picture on the screen of a fisherman repairing the nets. With use, the nets get damaged. I'm going to leave that there, and hopefully it will stay there. Okay? You stay there. Are we prepared to mend the nets? Are we prepared to sort out the things in church that are not working right? The things which are maybe causing us to lose people, lose momentum, lose traction, whatever it is. And I really feel that God said so clearly something to me, you need to look at the church, and you need to mend 
the nets. But that's something that we need to do. Not just leaders, that's something that we need to do. Close up the, the, the gaps in what we do. But also to deal with what's had its day in church life. Do you know, maybe there are some things which have had their day and they need to stop. Do you know the hardest thing in any church is to stop things? Because we start things, and we start things because we had good reason to start them, but then sometimes things just lose the life that they had at the start, and they lose their purpose, and they're not fruitful. And I really feel we don't have time. I know that I don't have time. I don't have time to be dealing with things that aren't being fruitful in the life of the church. So I think of the tree, the analogy of the tree, which wasn't bearing fruit. And what did they do? They says, oh, well, leave the tree just now and we'll fertilize around the bottom of the tree and we'll, 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 we'll see if fruit comes from that tree and we'll give it three years and then you come back and you look at it. And I'm one of these people, I used to serve on the board of Teen Challenge Edinburgh, but there came a point in time where Teen Challenge Edinburgh had to stop and it was the most difficult decision to be involved in was actually stopping Teen Challenge Edinburgh. I was involved in that decision and I hated the fact of stopping. I'm like, let's do this, let's do that, let's do the next thing. It's like, but it was God's time for that to stop. Sometimes there's a time for things to stop when they're not being fruitful anymore. I really feel that we need to come together as a church and to develop a whole team approach and to really celebrate the wins of other departments as well. I want to hear about the good things that are happening in church. I want to hear about the good things, the fruit that's been uh, born in your life and the lives of the ministries that we are part of. To go back to what I said earlier, Kerry Newhoff said, change is unkind to the unprepared. So prepare. That's what this is about. This is about getting the nets ready so that when God does what God wants to do, and I'll come to that in a second, that we're ready to receive what God does. Why can I say that? I go, I, go back, I go back to something that Ray Stokes, for those of you who don't know Ray Stokes, Ray is a prophet. He occupies the office of a prophet. We read that in Ephesians 4. We read it earlier that there are people who are prophets. There are people who prophesy, but then there are people who occupy the office of the prophet, and Ray is one of those people. And in 2011, Ray was here, and he shared this word with us. This is part of what he shared. And I believe that the word of the Lord has been coming to you, and it has come to you now a second time about moving forward. Leaving things behind is one of the hardest things we do in God. But to change and move forward into maturity, there comes a process of letting go, of loss of identity, of change of the way things are done, to let go of pet doctrines, to let go of special things which have always been to embrace that which God has for you. This is a word spoken into the life of this church in 2011, and we have begun, begun to see partial fulfillment of that, but this second part that's on the screen just now, we have not begun to enter into fully. There is a process of change that God is going to lead this church through, and change is unkind to the unprepared. So we need to prepare. Not everybody likes change. When I talked about the new season, I remember looking out the window, and there was a few brown leaves in the trees. The rest were all green. 
Why? Because in the change of seasons, even the trees go at different paces. Some people are really up for change and want change all the time. I'll not mention any names, but I'll look up the back and somebody's nodding. (laughs) Some people want change all the time, and change is a good thing, but we can struggle with change sometimes. But in order to get hold of the new thing that God has for us, we need to let go of the old thing. If my hands are full and somebody wants to give me something, you know, this is the trick. If you're fighting with somebody, give them something to hold and then slap them. (laughs) If you've ever seen that in the movies, you know. If I'm holding something and somebody wants to give me something, I've got to go, hang on a second, put that down and go, okay, now I'm ready to receive what you want to give me. But we can be so busy holding on to the old thing that we're not able to carry the new thing. And I believe one thing very, very clearly, that comfort is the enemy of progress. Comfort is the enemy of progress. Why do I say that? Because we come to church, and it's very easy to become comfortable. This is my seat. This is my story. This is my song. (laughs) Praising my Savior all the day long. And we we can become so comfortable with what we do and so familiar with what we do that we actually lose sight of the fact that we've stopped becoming fruitful, we've stopped bearing the fruit that God wants us to bear. Decision number two, are we prepared to mend the nets? Are we prepared to look at the how we do church? Are we prepared to look at the culture of this church and say, actually, there are some things in here that need to change in order for God to do the thing that God wants to do? And the third thing, I believe, is found in the passage. When he had stopped speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. This stinks. The second decision, the first decision, are you prepared to deal with what stinks? The second decision, are you prepared to mend the nets, the how, the culture of the church? The third thing, are we prepared to launch into the deep at his command? I felt God, what God said to me was, once you deal with the first two things, then will come the command, launch into the deep. And I want to share a bit more about that as the weeks go on. I want to share with you some things which I felt God has put in my heart. This whole thing about launching If you look at the original text, and this is one of the things that came out in the devotional, maybe it's one of the reasons I like that devotional is because he talked about the core words that were being used. To launch means to lead up upon. Do you know what I felt God said to me as I was reading this devotional? I felt what God said to me is it's time to lead. It's time to lead this church forward into all the things that I have for it. Time to lead to launch out into the deep. A personal word for me, a word in season, and I'm sharing it with you, the church, because I trust you and because I love you. And the reality is that in my position as the leader of the church, people get annoyed when I don't lead. Did you know that? People get annoyed when you don't lead. Robert's laughing. (laughs) Guess he knows what I'm talking about. People get annoyed when you don't lead. And then when you do lead, 
people get annoyed with that as well. So guess what? I've come to the conclusion that you can't please all the people all the time. Sometimes you can't please anybody. But let me tell you something. I have an audience of one. There is only one person I'm trying to please, and that's him. And if I'm getting it wrong, please come and say to me, but I'm here to serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and I'm hoping that you're in it with me. He's the one that I'm trying to serve, not people. I understand that my role as a pastor is about people and caring for people and preaching the word and doing all these things. But at the end of the day, I'm here at his calling, not yours. You might have voted for me, but it was his calling. He called me into this, and I could talk for hours about that. In fact, I'd love to get Paul Weaver to come and speak at the church, because it was his fault. <laughs> Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter Cochran, who was my mentor when I was going through probation, he said this, in the first year you're idolized, in the second year you're scrutinized, and in the third year you're pulverized. <laughs> and then the cycle just keeps on going round and round and round. Hey, an audience of one. I'm here to please him, and I hope that we can all do it together. It's time to lead. It's time to lead us into the vision that God has for this church. It's a new day, a new season. And I talked to my prayer. Uh, I talked about my prayer uh, to God about the new season. I don't know if you remember that. I'm writing down my prayers. Well, I was actually typing them down. Another prayer that I prayed and is written down amongst those other prayers was a prayer that God would give me clear vision of the future direction for the church. That's what it says. That's what it says in my notes. Clear vision of the future direction for the church. And I believe that God has been answering that prayer gradually, bit by bit, and there's more to come. I believe God has a purpose for this church. I believe this church isn't the way God wants it to be, but he wants us to get there. And this is what Simon says. But Simon answered and said to Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And this is the thing that drew me to this devotion to start with, was the title, Toiled All Night. You see, sometimes in our Christian life, we can feel like we're just toiling and toiling and toiling and not seeing any fruit. What are we actually looking for when it comes to fruit? I think it's more than just new Christians. It's more than that. What is God looking for when it comes to fruit? He's looking for change in us. He's looking for Christ to be formed in us that we become like Him. So that when people see you, they don't see Rob, they see Jesus in Rob. They don't see Alexander, they see Jesus in Alexander. When people look at us, they see the living Lord Jesus Christ in us, speaking through us in the things that we say, in our thoughts which motivate us. We can toil all night and think we're not achieving anything, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I once was. I know that for sure. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I once was, 
Are you in a different place from this time last year? Are you in a different place? Are you changing? Is Christ being formed in you? Is faith rising within your heart so that you say, nevertheless, at your word, we'll go out again? Peter was a professional fisherman. The boys with him and the guys in the other boat were professional fishermen. They must have been saying, all right, we've been at this all night. We can how this works. But here's this guy saying, nevertheless, we'll say to him, nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down the net. And when we listen to the word of God over our lives, then we are fruitful. I think the time is coming just shortly where we will hear the voice of the master saying to us, launch out into the deep. We've been in a season of sowing. For the last 15 years of my life, on staff in this church, I have been sowing, 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 reaping a little, sowing, 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 hopefully sowing good seed. But the seed that we sow today is not what we harvest today. The seed that we sow today, we will harvest tomorrow in a new season, in a different season. And I believe that's part of what I'll share as time comes on. And I think Jonathan's message last week really hurt the nail on the head when he talked about Boaz, who had kept sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing. Boaz was a generous man. He left big corners in his field for the poor to come and glean and to receive sustenance. And I think that was a word for us that we've been sowing and sowing and sowing. But there's a day when Ruth comes. Day when Ruth came along and Boaz comes along and everything changes. There's a day when Ruth came along and Boaz's life changed forever. And something was birthed out of that relationship that changed history forever. I don't know if you have studied genealogy in Scripture, but Ruth and Boaz were in Jesus' family tree way, way earlier on. We can keep sowing and keep sowing and keep sowing, but there comes a time when we need to begin to reap. Listen to what it says here as we read on in verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking so that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And then, uh, sorry, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Such was the effect it had on Simon. Simon's life was changed forever. He saw the power of God at work and his life was changed Why do we keep praying about the presence of God? Why do we keep seeking the presence of God in our gatherings? Because when He shows up, things happen, and people go, whoa, I'm not fit to stand in His sight. If this is the things that God can do, I'm not worthy to be standing in this place. This was the effect it had in Peter. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And sometimes we can become so familiar with the routine for these guys. It was the routine of fishing, catching nothing sometimes, coming back in, having a rest, eating, sleeping, going back out. And we can be like that in church life as well. We get into the routine of just doing church week by week, doing the groups week by week, not necessarily realizing that there are things inside us 
which need to get sorted out. There are things culturally and organizationally that need sorted out. And there's a change that needs to come in order to move into the things that God has for us. Three decisions that determine our direction. And the question is, what will you decide? What will you decide today? To clean the nets? To deal with the stuff that stinks in your life? Because the reality is the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. I used to think when I was a kid that old people never sinned. I did. I looked at the people who were older than me. I thought, wow, can't wait to get to that age. Then I'll not sin anymore. Then I got to that age and I realized, wait a minute, I'm still sinning. Why is that? Oh, maybe it's when you get to that age. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get to that age. And then you get to that age, you go, wait a minute, still sinning. What's the problem here? The problem is that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, God's perfect standard. So the sins of our youth might look different from the sins of our old age. But it's still sin nonetheless. And God wants us to sort it out. Are we prepared to repair the nets? Are we prepared as leaders in the church, and I address leaders and leaders of departments and groups and ministries, are we prepared to deal with the stuff that isn't working, the places where there are holes in the nets, where the fish keep slipping through? Are we prepared to deal with that? Are we prepared to look at the culture of the church, which, by the way, we all inform, we all inform that culture, every single one of us, And by the way, there's a bit of a huggy culture in this church. Have you noticed that? Hug, hug, hug. Coronavirus. (laughs) Maybe not such a good idea for the time being, okay? Sorry, I made a joke about that before. I'm not really against hugging. I don't mind a good hug from time to time. But maybe just now is not the best time. But each of us, we, we form part of the culture of this church. Well, what we bring into the church, so if there's stuff in our life that you go oh, that's a bit rank, right? We bring that into the church and it affects the church. If there are things in church life that aren't working, people get disappointed. And that's what disappoints me most is that sometimes we let people down because the way we do church and the way we're organized and structured isn't robust enough. And the result is that we let somebody down. I don't want to let people down. I don't want us as a church to let anybody down. And then, I really believe, and I'm going to speak more about this, that God will say, it's time, launch out into the deep. Because I believe that God wants to see people run into the kingdom. I believe that God wants to see your family members saved and in this church, worshiping God. I believe that. I can see it. I don't walk by sight anymore. Although sometimes it's hard. And sometimes I'm tempted to go, here we go again. And you walk by sight and you look at what is and you go, Lord. And then God reminds me, well, it's maybe not what it should be, but it's not what it once was. It's changing. We're in a season of change. There's a process that we go through as seasons change. And I really believe that the word is coming to us soon. Launch into the deep. Launch into the deep. And it finished off by Jesus saying to Peter, 
From now on, you will fish for men. You will fish for people, men and women, boys and girls. And I, I just have this sense rising up within me that God wants to cause us to be a fishing church. We don't live in a fishing community. We're in the middle of the central belt of Scotland, right? We're not near the seaside, but God wants us to be a fishing community. So we'll be fishers of men, <laughs> pun intended. Fishers of men to see people coming into God's presence and encountering God and their lives being transformed and being discipled, reaching the lost, winning people for Jesus, seeing people grow into disciples and seeing people serve, serving God's kingdom, to be Christ-centered, to be community-focused. And I want to open up to you what I feel that means and what I feel God is saying to us and what I feel God is laying on my heart. It's work in progress. There's a process that we need to go through in order to communicate all this stuff effectively. But I really want to talk about the vision that God's laying in my heart for this church. And it's coming soon. This is the starter. The main course is on its way. And I can't wait for dessert. <laughs> Let's just pray. Maybe the musicians could come back up to the platform as we're praying. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I have tried to be faithful to share what you have laid on my heart, what you've been showing me, and what you've been reaffirming in my soul and in my spirit as the weeks have went on. Father, 23 weeks ago, you began to do something. You began to do a new thing. Father, you began to stir up my heart. And Father, you began to say about a new season, about new things, about a new day. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to rise up and to move into what you have for us as a church. Father, that we would hear your voice calling us, that it would be that resonance within our hearts and spirits. Lord, that we would hear your voice when it speaks into our lives and when you search us and when you test us and when you know the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And Father, when you point out things in our hearts that need to change, Lord, we pray, may we have the courage to confess, to agree with your assessment. Father, to come before you and to ask for your forgiveness. Father, just to repent before you. And Father, I believe there's a time coming where you want to do some incredible things as we see you, as we encounter your glory. And Father, we just pray that you'd come and that we would encounter your glory. Lord, that you would minister in this house and, Father, that things which have bound us for years would be broken. Chains which hold us down would be broken. Father, that you would bring release for the prisoners. Father, that you would set the captive free. Father, those of us who struggle with things that have been dogging us for years and years and years, Lord, that, you'd become, that you would come and that you begin to set the captive free. Father, that you would do some new things in this place. Father, where people would see that it's all about you, that it's all about your glory and the things which you're doing. And so, Father, we ask that you would come and that you would meet with us. You know, folks, I just, I, I wasn't sure how I was going to close off this message today. But I really feel that this message demands a response. Three decisions that will determine our direction. And I feel God wants to know what your decision is today.
God knows, God knows already what's going on in our hearts. Psalm 139 tells us that. He knows what's going on in our hearts. But what's your decision? What's your decision today? Are you prepared to wash the net, the net of your life? Are you prepared to repair the net? The things which we need to take care of as a church. And are you prepared when he gives the command to launch out into the deep? To bring in a catch, to be fishers of men? Are you willing? And if you're not willing today, are you willing to be made willing? Because we're maybe not all at that place yet. But what is the inclination of our heart today? And I just feel that what God is saying to us today, that if that's you, and you're responding to say, yes, yes, my decision is yes. Yes, I'm prepared to wash the net of molten life. Yes, I'm prepared to get stuck into the life of the church and to help get things ready for catching fish. Yes, when you give the command, I'm willing to launch out into the deep and to do the things which you're asking us to do as a church. I'm willing to get my sleeves rolled up and to play my part. And if that's you this morning, if you're saying yes, then I just invite you to stand and we're going to sing a song and we're going to take up our offering through that song in just a minute but I'm going to ask that you stand in this moment right now you're responding to God you're not responding to a person this is a word of the Lord to us today the word of the Lord to this church and Father we just ask for every single person who's standing today Lord, that your hand would be upon each one. Father, that you would begin to do a new thing in hearts and lives today. And Father, even for those who are maybe seeing this message on a video at some point later, Father, for those who are maybe listening to this message on an audio recording sometime later, then the invitation is the same to you. Will you stand? Will you allow God to speak into your life? Will you allow God to speak into the church and your role in the church? Will you be prepared to launch into the deep? And Father, we are standing here today because we're willing. And Father, maybe if we're not sure yet, we're at least willing to be made willing. And so Father, we pray that you would take this as a response to you today. Father, that the 8th of March 2020 would be a day that would go down in this church as a day where we have responded to your word and we've said, yes, yes, I want to be involved. Yes, count me in. Yes, I want to be a fisher of men. And Father, we pray that you would cause the harvest to come. Father, we have sown for years and years and years. Lord, we pray, take us into a season of reaping. Father, a season of catching fish. And Father, we just pray that you would do your work in this house. Father, that this church would bring glory to your name. Father, that Jesus would be seen in this place. Lord, not men, not programs, not things which are about us, but Father, things which are about you and your kingdom. And so, Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done 
in our lives, in this church, in this community, in the communities that surround it. Father, may your will be done. May your spirit be poured out. And Father, may we see your glory come. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.